I'm standing in front of the Peace Tower, next to Parliament, next to the Prime Minister's Office of Canada. On the tower is the flag of Israel, which is flown there as a show of the, as a demonstration of solidarity between Canada and Israel. On top of the tower, the Canadian flag is flown half-staff, again in same kind of solidarity. In the name of the people of Israel, I thank you, Canada. Toda. We are standing That's the voice of Ido Moed, the new Israeli envoy to Canada. He was on a late-night visit to Parliament Hill Sunday because he wanted to see for himself the blue and white Israeli flag being projected onto the Peace Tower in a show of Canada's solidarity with the state of Israel. Moed has only been in Canada and on the job for a few weeks. He hasn't even presented his credentials to the Governor-General, Mary Simon, yet. So for now, he's ambassador-designate until that ceremony takes place. But Moed's been busy jumping from one Canadian media interview to another all weekend to put forward Israel's position on who caused the shocking military blitzkrieg of armed Hamas terrorists into southern Israel Saturday morning, not to mention who funded the 5,000 rockets launched into his country. Moed says it's clear Iran is trying to destabilize the region and eventually target the West, which is why it helped Hamas carry out the worst massacre of Jews since the Holocaust. At least 700 Israelis were dead at last count, over 2,000 wounded, over 100 taken hostage, including possibly two or three Canadians. Iran is the force that really coordinates between everybody. We have seen the meetings that Iranian officials held with the heads of Hamas and the heads of uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad and with the Hezbollah. And we know that they are the ones that are behind this the whole thing. So yes, we are anticipating the possibility of further escalation in other parts of Israel, and we are ready, we are prepared for it. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, October the 9th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Ido Moed is a career diplomat with six previous postings, including in the Netherlands, and he is the son of Holocaust survivors from that country. Moed replaces the last ambassador to Canada, Ronan Hoffman, who spent about 18 months in Ottawa but quit in January after the Likud government of Benjamin Netanyahu won the last election. Hoffman is a former Israeli politician. He was appointed ambassador by his party, the Yesh Atid, who now find themselves in opposition. His successor, Ido Moed, is a cybersecurity expert by training, and he admits he and his team at the embassy were shocked and stunned by how his country was apparently taken by surprise this past weekend. But as Moed says, now is not the time to dwell on Israel's seeming vulnerability. Not now, while the fighting is still going on. I spoke to Ido Moed in Ottawa. Thank you for having me. Well, it's good to meet you under uh, difficult circumstances. And I know you arrived recently. We have to call you ambassador-designate. But um, I guess one thing before we start about the current war is how is that situation where you're not an official Canadian ambassador impacting what you can and cannot do at the moment? Well, I can still receive the outpour of solidarity and support that we're getting from such a broad uh, group of, of Canadians from all walks of life. Um, the only inhibition is to have direct contact with elected officials, and that'll have to wait till a few days. That's fine. Uh, 
Uh, but at the same time, we see that the leaders at the highest level are having direct contact as we speak, and that's really the most important thing. And that is also what this this evening is about. When I as I just yeah, coming back from the Peace uh, Tower at the center of Ottawa and seeing the flag of Israel shown on the tower and the flag of Canada and half staff. Uh, in memory of the victims of this hyenas attack of Hamas terrorists against Israel, that's that kind of solidarity is heartwarming. And for me, as ambassador designate, it's a sort of a welcome, a very odd and strange welcome, but very very memorable one uh, for uh, for starting my career here as as ambassador in the coming years. You said that there are high level talks. Just you personally cannot phone anyone or contact any elected officials. What does that mean? I mean that the highest levels of government are in direct contact, and that has nothing to do with my specific status at the moment. So at the level of prime ministers and the ministers of foreign affairs, they are speaking directly. My objective is to make sure that these channels are open, not to be part of it, but to make sure that that happens and to facilitate it and to expedite to encourage it as much as possible. So I'm very, very happy to note that this is already happening. And so my specific temporary status has no bearing on that. You said it's going to be in a few days. Was that moved up, your ceremony? No, no, that's how it was scheduled, and that's fine. So can you tell us what day it's going to be? It's going to be very soon. And I'll let everybody know once I'm full-fledged ambassador, everybody will know. Ambassador Hoppen wasn't allowed to tell us either for security reasons. One of the things that the National Security Council in Israel said earlier, not today, was that Israelis abroad should be very careful because of what happened in Egypt. But what about the 100,000 Israelis here? What are you hearing? What are you advising them to do? Uh, they are. We are not advising anybody regarding security in, in outside Israel. We can only advise when, they, when we understand that there is imminent threat. But actually, I think the question is, I hear your question uh, today in a different light, and that light of what is actually behind the attacks that take part in Israel, that take place in Israel at the moment. And that's the attacks that are perpetrated by Hamas, but are basically instigated and directed by a much bigger player, that is Iran. And Iran not only targets Israel, it has Israel on it, as, uh, as an objective to eliminate and to annihilate, but they also target Jewish uh, communities abroad, worldwide. And so, and we can look at you know the um, Argentina, yeah, Argentina, exactly. eighty four, yeah, exactly. So the Iranian terrorist threat spans globally, and that's one of the reasons why we really uh, demand that the international community take action right now to make sure that the conflict that we are involved in right now uh, will not escalate further. And that means that it needs to address the excess of evil, which is Iran, Lebanon, and Syria, and um, make sure that they understand that they should stay out of this conflict and not escalate. Uh, That's extremely dangerous. It's very volatile what is happening right now. This horrendous attack needs to be stopped. It is still ongoing as we speak, and we are counting the dead, and we are uh, hearing the the horrendous stories of the survivors, which are absolutely mind-boggling. We are talking about more than 700 victims. That's a number 
that's unimaginable in any in any way, shape, or form. It's a terrorist organization that managed to inflict such harm on on the population of Israel to terrorize the population of Israel that Prime Minister Netanyahu decided to declare war on this terrorist organization. And war means that we will stop only when we know that this threat disappears and that threat to the Israeli population, the Israeli territory, that that threat will disappear. We have nothing against the population of Gaza. We have actually been in the process of changing their livelihoods and their conditions, bringing in goods for uh, raw materials for their industrial production, exporting uh, ship, shipping goods, uh, bringing in uh, traders, uh, creating work employment opportunities for local population to come and work in Israel. All of that in an effort to um, alleviate the conditions and strengthen the Gaza economy. Although we know that the uh, the the uh, the um, the force that really controls Gaza is the Hamas, but we have our our issue is with Hamas, not with the population. And now things have changed, of course, and because of this horrendous attack, uh, this barbaric, uh, incredible attack. Because of that, of course, all of this needs to stop, and Israel will need to act. And since these terrorists also hide behind the civil population, civilian population, right in the center of the most densely populated areas, we will have to find a way to target them and minimize damage to any others, non-involved um, people in, in the area. But that is going to be very difficult, given the way that they've been hiding themselves. I don't know if people who are listening realize this. I just learned this today. The Gaza Strip is smaller than the island of Montreal. Right. How could Israel and the intelligence service and the Mossad and the Shin Bet not have known what was going on? I know you've answered this question probably a hundred times, but we have to ask it because that's what everybody is worried about. How did this happen? I'm not sure I have the answers. I don't think that anybody really has the answers at the moment. And I'm sure that the truth will need to be uncovered one way or another, but we'll not do that now. We will wait, we will do first whatever is necessary to eliminate this terrorist threat, to mitigate those terrorists wherever they are, inside communities or in Gaza, wherever they are, reach them and eliminate them. And after that, when everything ends and subsides, then we'll get back and we'll sort out any, everything that needs to be sorted out. There are certainly a lot of questions that need to be addressed. And those that you mentioned will be certainly on the top of the list. And in terms of the Israeli embassy in Canada, I saw that you put a post on social media that the Israelis who are here and want to go home back to Israel should try to get on planes, mm -hmm. even though Air Canada is not flying for the moment. Why did you do that? What was the reason behind that message? Uh, because of the declaration of war, we have the official declaration. People are um, required to um, uh, join military, come back and uh, enlist. So we just want to make sure that people are aware what are the ways and means to get to Israel. So if there are no direct flights, we should try and they should try and find other ways to get to Israel. OK, so this was basically they're needed. Get home. And here's how yeah. you weren't encouraging people to leave for safety reasons. It no, no. Purely no. deployment reasons and get home. Yeah, exactly. Canada donated $90 million to UNRWA in the last four years. 
and now topped it up with another hundred million over the next four years under the Trudeau government, whereas the previous government, the Harper government, stopped funding. What does the Israeli government want Canada to do about this contentious issue now? I was trying to, we were talking among ourselves uh, around dinner tonight about the people who perpetrated this attack, the level of hate that they must feel for other people and the the, the sadism and, and, and the pure evil that came out of them and comes out of them. And trying to understand why does that, where does it come from? It's very hard for me to tell if it's connected to uh, incitement that is in their uh, study books as of school children, which is funded by UNRWA, or is it because of summer camps that they are dressed in uniform and a gun is pushed into their hands that may also be funded by UNRWA? Uh, I think the international community should really look into what is happening with international money that comes in flows into the Gaza Strip in particular, because it's not always just supporting uh, refugees. It goes way beyond that in many cases. So I think it's important to really address the issue of what is happening with donations that come through the United Nations to the Gaza Strip. We see what kind of a machine, a war machine has emerged. We see that there is practically no change in the conditions of the refugees that live there. And so one should ask himself, what is really happening with our money? I think it's, a, it's now is certainly, definitely a very good time to ask that question. Okay. And in terms of the Canadians who are either hostages or killed, have you have any role with de dealing with the families here? Or is this totally because it's going to be Global Affairs Canada, not you guys? If they're Canadian citizens, I'm sure that the Canadian government is doing its utmost to... Uh, to do whatever is possible. We are on our side, of course, cooperating with the Canadian Embassy in Israel, doing as much as we can on all levels to uh, to support them and to uh, help them reach uh, Canadian citizens and help them. Okay, and I know you've been monitoring the pro-Palestinian demonstrations that have been popping up in Montreal and elsewhere, Toronto. Today, this is we're recording on Sunday night for our listeners. What representations, if any, are you making to Canadian authorities? Hamas is on the terrorist list, and yet these groups are allowed to demonstrate. Is that something that you are talking actively or your people are talking about having these stopped? I think that peaceful demonstrations are peaceful demonstrations, and people should have freedom to express their opinion, uh, as long as it's peaceful. Uh, if it's to my taste and my liking, that's not the question. That's entirely irrelevant. However, if there are expressions of support for barbarism, for atrocities, for crimes against humanity and things of that nature, that is definitely something that I will uh, raise my voice and uh, flag out and say, hey, what is happening here? And this is through the media or you're actually having representations directly for police forces or what have you? Well, we have all the channels at our disposal, and I'm sure that we'll find a way if that's necessary to uh, make sure to reach the, the, the necessary authorities, the relevant authorities, and inform them, ask them, or raise our concerns. So what, what do we expect in the next 24 hours to 36 hours to look like? What are you expecting? Well, we Prime Minister Netanyahu declared war on 
the Hamas terrorist organization. That means that in the coming days, Israel is going to operate and do whatever is necessary to eradicate this uh, threat. Um, operational plans will be unfolded as the time uh, as time goes on. And uh, I think we'll see uh, certainly more uh, of what we've seen in the last few days, direct contact and combat because it's necessary to take out this threat. It's necessary, and I think that Israel has the means, and of course Israel will prevail, and I just hope that it will be with minimum number of, of victims on all sides, uh, but this must stop immediately. Before I let you go, I wanted to ask you that your family has Holocaust ties, Holocaust experience uh, mm-hmm. stories. So I would like to ask you if you wouldn't mind sharing that and how today or what's happening now makes you think about this when i started my diplomatic career i was born in holland and in amsterdam and my mother's and father's family is also uh, from amsterdam so when i was just uh, beginning my uh, stint as a press officer in our embassy in the hague uh, there was a group of germans working in westerborg transition camp and they asked for somebody from the embassy to come and speak to them about Holocaust and, and everything. It's, it's called Wieder Gutmachung, what they did. It's really atoning for what their great, great uh, parents did. I came there and uh, I told them the following. I told them, you know, I came here by train, just like my mother 65 years ago, which was true at the time, was 65 years and it still gives me goosebumps to, to say that, but that closure of a circle really has been part of my diplomatic career throughout. And when we look at what is happening now and we see the hatred and this uh, barbarism and, 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 and you know this inhumane behavior, beastly behavior of, of what these Hamas terrorists have been, uh, been doing in Israel, this is what it reminds us of, of Nazis. And so we, we know that every now and then the Jewish people will face hardships. That's our, perhaps our destiny, but we always prevail and we will prevail because we are very strong. Uh, we are as Jews all over the world, as Israelis, we are part of one nation and we will prevail and we will overcome this for sure. If there anything else you wanted our listeners to understand about what we are going through and you are going through? Because it's Thanksgiving, I think it's important to, to look at what has happened in, uh, in the southern part of Israel on Sukkot, on Simchat Torah, as something that uh, is very similar to a weekend, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, a long weekend that you expect to be with family and friends, and all of a sudden this barrage of rockets falls on your head and terrorists all all of a sudden roam the streets with guns and shoot point blank every innocent person they see around them. And this kind of terror is beyond our comprehension at the moment. This has been so frightening that communities all around Israel have crumbled very quickly to help and support the people from the South And what I see right now is the enormous solidarity inside Israel, but also outside Israel. And I think our listeners are feeling the same, 
same kind of solidarity with Israel. And I would encourage them not just to feel it, but to show it and find ways to be solidary with Israel, to support communities, to show them that you are aware of the suffering, of the horror, and that together we will get through this. I think that's very important. That's for the short term. The longer term, though, is going to take a lot longer to process how the once mighty Israel is so vulnerable now. And that's an international problem with diplomacy that is the next question after the war. And that's something that I think we talk about it at our table this week, too, is, oh, my mm -hmm. God. And I wonder how Israelis are feeling about that. Yeah, that's terrible. And it's something that uh, I think among ourselves, we'll be asking those questions about safety and security. Can we really provide that for each other? Of course we can, but there will be times when it's much harder. And so I remember in previous times, in previous years, when terror attacks just started, the suicide attacks, that people felt extremely vulnerable everywhere. People were afraid to board buses. So in many ways, there are some similarities here, although the atrocities in this case are much worse. But we know where they come from and we can connect it to Iran. And we know that there is something very strong behind it, but we know exactly what it is. And so in that sense, it's something that we can manage. But we have to find ways among ourselves to increase the confidence and the strength that, and the resilience that we have, uh, but to regain it and to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And this has been a, a sort of an ongoing process in, a, in the history of the Jewish people. So it's just another darker time in our, period, in our history. But from this, we always get stronger. So I'm confident that this is always also what is going to happen with us uh, in, the, in the longer term. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Community rallies are being held from Vancouver to Montreal, and fundraising appeals are being made by Sharet Sedek Hospital's Canadian branch and Mizrahi Canada and every Jewish organization in between. Meanwhile, synagogues have been holding prayer vigils to recite Tehillim, just like happened at Thornhill's Beth Avraham Yosef Synagogue Sunday night after the end of the Simchat Torah holiday. So we'll end the show with a little of what that sounded like. Our thanks go out to Doug Ross for the audio. Thank you.